Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Hello, yeah. Bengals fans. I am Matt Minnick, and this is yeah. Coach Speak. Well, let's start with Zach Taylor uh, being asked after the game about putting together a full game offensively. And the question was asked in a very positive tone. But Taylor said that he disagrees. And I think if you look at uh, Twitter from uh, <laughs> Bengals fans uh, in the first half of the, that game, uh, there's a lot of you out there, a lot of us out there, who would agree with that evaluation by Taylor. Um, they came out strong, uh, scored in the first drive for the first time all year, uh, but then an interception and some three and outs. Uh, so they didn't. They didn't get it going. You know, they failed once again to get into that rhythm offensively um, after one strong initial drive. Um, so, you know, he talked about execution. You know, they, they needed to, to score points early. Um, they need to start faster. And, look, you can go into halftime with the Lions up 10 nothing. You can't go into a lot of games, you know, only scoring 10 points in the half. You know, like that's that's not going to work out well against some of these uh, other teams that are going to be playing later in the year. Got the Ravens coming up this week. Got to have a stronger offensive showing and more points on the board in the first half. Um, I mean, honestly, third downs uh, were, were better. Um, you know, there were a couple of miscues, but like overall, like it, it, it was better. The numbers are better on that. Uh, Burrow did throw a bad pick on a third down, and it wasn't, you know, a might as well be a punt situation. It was a, why did he even throw that ball? Because there's no way they were converting that, and he threw it into traffic. So that was kind of ugly. He was also asked about how being with the Bengals for a few years and obviously the struggles they've had over the last couple of years, um, and now, you know, finding finding a, their winning ways um, about are you able to enjoy this? Are you able to have fun? And we talked a little bit about how they're process-driven rather than results-driven. You know, so they don't have expectations for, for you know, this is where we need to be records-wise. You know, he said, they asked, well, what do you expect your records to be? Do you expect to be 4-2? and two? He's like, no, I expect it to be 6-0. and oh. um, But th- that's not what it's about. You know, it's about getting better every week. And we talked about that on this podcast last week, about, you know, putting yourself in a position where you're getting better every week and playing in meaningful games in December is obviously a big part of that. But then what type of team are you going to be in December? Um, you know, he said winning is fun, uh, but our standard uh, needs to keep raising. Which, you know, that's, that's right on message for how he's been with everything else. And you find that when teams do have success, 
uh, complacency becomes an issue. I know we all kind of wondered if going to that Bears game, if they maybe overlooked that, they were kind of riding the high of the previous week's win. Um, so you've got to keep that standard up and, and have high expectations um, of execution every single week. So absolutely on point, you know, love hearing uh, that sort of thing out of Taylor. He also talked about the, the fun is what happens in January and February. You know, like I just alluded to being better at the end of the season. Um, he said, hey, that, I've been a part of fun. That's that's when that stuff happens. So good to hear uh, that those sights are set high in Cincinnati and that those are what the expectations are and, and that's what the ultimate goal is. Now, on the topic of improvement, he was asked about improvement. Um, he said each unit has picked up the other at some point this year when they need it. And, you know, that's that's good. They're playing well on the road, he mentioned, uh, especially over the last few weeks. And they've responded well to adversity so far. But he emphasized that they need to keep improving. They're on the right trajectory, but they need to keep improving. Uh, he was also asked about Lou Anarumo, you know, and, I mean, there's been lots of people calling for Zach Taylor's head over the last few years. Um, but with the exception of, of, of you know, Jim Turner, you know, Lou Anarumo would be the next guy up in, in terms of um, fans wanting him out uh, and, and lack of belief in the coach. And uh, so, you know, why did he trust Lou Anarumo as defensive coordinator? didn't have a ton of experience and obviously wasn't having a ton of, of success for the last couple of years. And he said, you know, people don't like to accept it, uh, but things take patience and that you can see things going on behind closed doors and, and you can tell, you know, there are other situations obviously and injuries and things like that. But he said he, he could see where things were going. He liked where things were going and they needed to work through some things. He also talked about how the coaching staff is a tight-knit unit, and we haven't seen a ton of changes. There have been some small uh, you know, changes at the position coach level and the coaching assistant type level uh, to some extent, but not a lot of changes over the last couple of years, certainly not as much as uh, some fans would have liked to see. Um, on, on players, you know, in this game, I, it was great to see the old Mixon, you know, that was really what we saw in, in this game, I think. Um, really looked like his old self, making some plays, making some nice cuts and big plays uh, out of Mixon there. And we need that guy, you know, like that that's the guy. That's the guy you paid, you know, that's that's what you're looking for. Uh, so it's exciting to see that. But look, opposite him, Chris Evans, all right, <laughs> you know, uh, looking very good. And... He gets his chance with P. Ryan out with COVID. Um, P. Ryan is a guy that I had a little bit more faith in letting Bernard go because I thought P. Ryan looked pretty good last year in pass protection, which surprised me a little bit. I, I hadn't really seen that out of him in his career. But now Evans comes out, looks good in pass protection, catches a fade for a touchdown, um, it's got to be Evans at this point. You know they've got to start working away from P Ryan. P Ryan more of maybe a true backup to Mixon, um, and some of that third down stuff, pass game stuff, going more to Chris Evans because because you see it like the guy can make plays and looked really good in pass protection as well. Um, so they actually 
talked about and asked Hiller about him uh, after the game. Uh, and was this what you were expecting? Did you have a better grade on him than where you drafted him? Because uh, obviously, you know, the, the, these flashes and what we saw in the preseason are very exciting and speak, you know, of a player that you could have seen drafted higher. Um, obviously, there were some extenuating circumstances with him, with the suspension and limited, limited reps at, at Michigan in a COVID season and everything like that. Uh, but they talked about how he flashed in one-on-ones at the senior bowl. And he said, you know, he, like the senior bowl is like right after the NFL season, basically. So, you know, these coaches, they haven't done a ton of scouting at that point. You know, like the, there's a scouting department. They're out there. They're active. You know, Duke knows what's up. Uh, but they, they hadn't dug that deep into it. And obviously Evans wasn't a guy that was making sports center highlights, you know, at Michigan um, for different reasons. So, he said they flashed right away. You know, like he saw him in one on ones, and he would, they were just smoking people. Um, the Bengals were actually down there. Like a lot of the coaching staffs that went to the Senior Bowl last year, I guess, were kind of like in suites and away from everything, and they were like down there, like in the end zone where they could really see what was going on. Well, uh, so uh, he flashed there. They had an opportunity to interview him there, and they knew that like the guy they're going to bring in, it wasn't going to be somebody to take reps away from. Mixon, it was going to be like, who can be like a third down guy? And so they, they just drilled him right away, uh, talking about pass protection. You know, he's playing for, for Harbaugh down there, and Harbaugh, obviously an NFL guy. Uh, so I think you, you probably see a little bit more pass protection out of those guys than you do with some, some coaching systems uh, in college football. But they said he nailed it. You know, showed a really strong, high football IQ right away. And that just, you know, really completely sold them on him. So, look, he's wearing the right number. You know, 25, he, he look, he, it looks like he's uh, fitting into Gio's shoes very well. So definitely exciting to see that. And other rookies stepping up uh, in what is looking so far like a, a very strong class. Um, so let's, let's talk about the rookie offensive lineman. Um, obviously, there were some hiccups early. And it was a very interesting day. Uh, at the right guard position, you get Trey Hill making the start um, and some penalties and some problems right away. Um, but Zach Taylor, you know, said that when he went back in the game, he played really well. So, you, you know, you get those hiccups, you get that nervousness, and maybe he just kind of needed to, to get himself settled, pick up to the speed of the game, and, and, and get ready to go out there. It's interesting that they put him in there Obviously, there's the injury situation, the COVID situations, and um, another illness situation with Jackson Carmen. But it's also that, that he's the backup center, you know, so that's giving him an opportunity, getting a good look at him, uh, because we know Trey Hopkins, the other Trey, isn't uh, original Trey, that is, uh, isn't uh, playing like his old self right now. And look, Trey Hopkins was always good. I think we overrated Trey Hopkins a little bit because the rest of the line was very bad. But Trey Hopkins is a guy that, like, he's a good at his best, you know, when he's playing to his capacity. Good, solid starting offensive lineman. But if you've got a good offensive line, he should be like your fourth or fifth, fifth best guy. And he has been first or second, you know, depending on Sean Williams' health status uh, over the last few years. So that's a bit of an issue. But anyway, um, but Trey's not his old self right now. And uh, Trey Hopkins, that is. So, you know, getting a look at Trey Hill 
was a good idea and and you see some positive things and it, and it's also good too because you've got that lack of experience back there that if something happens happens to Hopkins you know in the middle of the game um, in the middle of a drive that Hill's gotten his feet wet at least so you can feel a little bit better about that uh, Jackson Carmen uh, goes into the game late um, bit of a uh, a stomach issue, <laughs> evidently, um, which Eminem is not to blame for, uh, so I've been told. But he actually set up pretty well and uh, graded out pretty high in that game as well. So, you know, you're seeing both those guys, you know, doing pretty well. And obviously the competition level is there. Uh, competition level shouldn't play as much into grading as it does with some of these systems. Um, it doesn't play that much in the line. But it, it ends up uh, playing, uh, playing a role sometimes. So we'll see it against... Um, different competition and how we're getting in there, but you know had a had a well graded uh, day in limited reps, which has to be an asterisk as well to consider. So, look, the Bengals chose development or developmental potential uh, over true experience depth, and they've got to live with it. And there's going to be injuries, and they're going to have to live with it. So. You know, we've got to see these guys, and and they're going to have to step up at different times because things are going to happen. It's a long season. You know, we're we're not even halfway there yet. So good to see that, though. Like, I I think that there were some positives uh, to make out of that. There are O-line depth issues like we talked about, and, you know, it's interesting that we haven't seen necessarily a ton of action on that front. You know, the the Bengals have depth issues on the O-line. They have depth issues at the corner. We're seeing a little bit of action uh at the corner position you know bringing in guys like trey flowers um not really seeing an offensive line part of that could be opportunity but it also could be just having maybe more faith in frank pollock and in some of their guys than what some of us on the outside have um i think sometimes these situations are much more difficult when you can't really control it so um so we have seen a little bit of action and and, and i think the the corner issue is going to continue to be an issue um the trey wayne's health concerns have uh continued unfortunately so We'll have to see how all that works out. But, you know, you got Holden Hill in there, as well as Trey Flowers, you know, some guys in there for some competition. And, like, Eli Apple, man, am I glad he's here. Like, I I, I get it. I know why people don't like him. I I see the issues. I'm not saying he's great. But, look, it's a lot better than what they had last year. It's a lot better than they were getting out of Darius Phillips last year. It's a lot better than they were getting, certainly, out of LaShawn Sims. They are surviving with Eli Apple and some of his penalties and stuff better than a score you know what I mean like out of a guy that you didn't want in there out there in the first place I will take it um let's move on to the upcoming opponent here at Baltimore Ravens look this is a huge game all right and <laughs> Zach Taylor laughed when he was asked if it was a measuring stick game he's like well it seems like every game is a measuring stick game obviously we said that about the Packers you know Look, they showed something against the Packers. They took them to overtime. They could have won that game. 
and it really shouldn't matter either way because both teams kind of screwed it up at the end. Um, both teams had, you know, kicks going in different directions. So at the end of the day, who won that game doesn't matter as much as, as you know, how the teams looked. And, you know, the Bengals impressed people enough that they f- flew up power rankings even losing that game. But, yeah, you got to win. You got to figure it out. You know, you got to figure out how to win those tight games and win those games against top opponents and opponents that are used to playing in January and uh, used to win a lot of football games and enter the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, so it is, you know, it, it is a, a measuring stick to some extent, uh, whatever that means. But they've got to be able to figure out how to win these games, how to beat good opponents, how to put those opponents away and finish games. And for Joe Burrow personally, this is round two against Wink Martindale, uh, who gave him fits last year. I think we saw last the last year against the Steelers, uh, Burrow also struggled. I think those are the two worst games Burrow played were the Ravens and the Steelers. And this year, obviously, he figured it out. You know, he came around. Uh, he had a good second showing. And after both those games last year, I was like, ooh, I can't wait for round two. And, and we had to wait a year for it. So, look, we talked about the O-line and the depth issues. The O-line has got to be money. Like, and protection communication. Like, the most important things in this game. Protection communication, all right? Knowing what's going on. And ball security, all right? Those were issues against the Ravens last year. And they have been issues for the Bengals a little bit this year. And Wink's going to keep throwing stuff at you. Like, he's he's going to bring the kitchen sink. So they got to be ready for it. And um, it's going to be a real challenge. Um, is this uh, offense, you know, have they are they ready to take that next step? You know, then the protection issues, right, that comes down to everybody. That's, that's the O-line, but it's also getting the running backs, sometimes tight ends on the same page, and Burrow knowing what's going on when he's got to throw the ball away. All that type of stuff. So, very excited to see how that works out. And, of course, a big difference is going to be the presence of Jamar Chase. You know, having that dynamic influence on the offense, having that big play ability. You know, is that going to limit what Baltimore can do? You know, how afraid of him are they going to be? Obviously, they've got Marlon Humphrey. They've got some talent uh, in that defensive secondary. But, like, can he be that big play component that not only creates big plays, but also opens up other opportunities for them? Remember, on the other side of the ball, it's like, hey, is this defense for real? Because I think, look, last year, that first game, obviously the second game was something else, and it was over, right? That team had pretty much packed it in at that point. But that first Ravens game, they came out, they did something a little different. They ran a true 4-3 with the with the real three linebackers. Akeem Davis-Gaither making his first start. And they played pretty well. Like, Jackson was coming off an injury, so he was a little bit limited. But they still, like, you can control a lot of that with, with what Jackson's doing. They, they forced him to give up the ball. They contained him pretty well. It, they just couldn't do anything on offense, um, and, and you know I think I think it was a pick six, it might have been a fumble, but anyway there was a defensive score in there from the Ravens, so that game was a little bit deceptive. Um, you know you look at the scoreboard on how well the defense actually played. Now they're playing very well overall, you know, and and are they for real? This is going to be a real test of that this week. Is this defense for real? Look, you got the running back injuries 
Gus Edwards is really good. You know, J.K. Dobbins, good also. But like Gus Edwards was, was probably the best one that they had in terms of what he has done for them, actually. And um, now they kind of got the, the geriatric squad in there with, uh, you know, some, some blasts from the past. But does it really matter? I mean, it's a little bit more about Lamar. It's a little bit more about the system in terms of the run game. So they're still going to be good. They're, they're still going to be good. It's still going to be a challenge. I think Rashad Bateman is a very interesting kind of dark horse here. And, you know, you saw last year the Bengals had focused on Marquise Brown and um, Mark Andrews. I'm just calling him David Andrews. Wrong guy. Um, I think Rashad Bateman's a guy that you we're going to see getting some serious play with Baltimore pretty soon. I think he's the guy they're missing. I think he brings a different dimension as a receiver. I don't know why they didn't draft a guy like that a couple years ago. You know, they went off and they drafted a couple little short slot type receivers, and it didn't really make any sense to me because uh, they had guys like that, and I think Marquise Brown's better at you know that stuff and, and wherever you line them up uh, than those guys. So, um, not that I don't like Duvernay, but anyway, it just didn't really make sense to me. Bateman's a dude. Uh, Bateman's the guy they needed, and you know, I, I would look at it the same way I look at Jamar Chase. You know, like it was when it came down to drafting Chase, it was like, well, this is the perfect guy for what the Bengals need. Um, I didn't love Bateman as a prospect. You know, I wasn't as high on him as a lot of people were, but when the Ravens drafted him, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for the Ravens. Like, I think he's a really good fit for them. So um, hopefully it's not this week. <laughs> I think I think we're going to see him have a big week uh, and go off at some point. So that's something else to look for when the Bengals are on defense is uh, what the Ravens are going to do with that guy. So the Bengals and the Ravens, and the winner in sole possession of the lead in the AFC North, and in very good position for potentially uh, first seed in the AFC. Um, yeah, it's October. I know I'm crazy, but um, like that's where we are right now. Like they're in a really good spot, and like they come out of this one. They're going to be in a really, really good spot. So very exciting to see the team at this point, you know, playing in this position. I mean, you know, we, we talk about it with this team, the way it's been the last couple of years, it's exciting to see them play meaningful games in October. Uh, obviously, we're hoping to see meaningful games in November, December, December January. But um, this is pretty pretty exciting, you know, and a great opportunity. And, and we'll see what they got. You know, we'll, we'll see where they're at with everything. And, what they can do down in Baltimore. So I am Matt Minnick. This has been Coach Speak. Today. Yeah, we coming forward with sours. Yeah, we coming forward with sours. You hear the crowd coming forward with sours.